You're listening to the Oil and Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas This Week. You were listening to episode 120. What's up, Mark? Yeah, 120. We got a little sad news here, Jake. One of our initial listeners to this show from a long time ago when we first started Oil & Gas this week, uh, Jeremy Cools, uh, he worked at Mobile Data Tech, uh, passed away just recently. So a moment of silence for Jeremy and his family. All right, so we don't want to make this too much of a downer, uh, but before we get the new show, we're going to talk about somebody else passing away, which is Oil Pro. <laughs> uh, it looks like Oil Pro has closed the doors. Um, they got a news release up here. Jake will throw it in the show notes. But basically, if you're a user of Oil Pro, you have a couple of weeks. You have till August 2nd to uh, get your content off there if you want to get anything off there. And then it looks like they're shutting the doors for good. Speaking of stuff like Oil Pro and their demise, any of our listeners out there, we're taking Oil & Gas Global Network and we're turning it to an online magazine-type format. Think of BuzzFeed. So if you want to get your company's products or services, your content out there in front of our huge global oil and gas audience, reach out to me. I'll share the details. We're not going to let you do stuff that's too salesy, and we prefer short videos, but we'll talk you right through it. And it's a way for you to get exposure to this large global audience for free. So reach out to me if you have an interest in that. Um, and then... Uh, you know, this is the Only Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Red Wing. You know, Jake Julie says this part. This is the show for busy uh, oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. We're getting ready to jump into that. We also have a radio station. We've talked about that before. Um, if you have an interest in listening to us 24-7, go do it because it'll be, it'll be fun to listen to us all the time. And then I want to talk real quick about our on-the-road sponsors. We have Total Land, the world's most advanced field land management system. Go check them out. If you're in that landman's world, you really need to pay attention to what they're doing. And then Lee Heck Harrison, they're global experts in talent management. Uh, Lee Heck Harrison is helping three-quarters of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies work on leadership and workforce transformation. If you have a need on those two areas, reach out to Lee Heck Harrison. Mention us. Say you heard about them on our show. We would appreciate that. And then Jake and I are speaking everywhere. If you'd like us to come speak at your everywhere, uh, just reach out to Jake and I, and we'd be happy to share the details. And if you're a university, we do give you a really, really special rate and we actually help you find the money to make it happen. So reach out to either Jake and I would be happy to uh, talk about that. And then Jake, let's jump into the news stories. All right, let's do it. So, uh, this week it's kind of tech heavy on the front end. So let's start off with, uh, the first article is kind of just a, a good way for us to kind of like segue into a little bit of a tech talk. Uh, XDO president credits technology for success. So according to the president, of ExxonMobil's XDO Energy technology has been uh, the common denominator that has powered the oil and gas industry to its current status in the world's economy and will be vital for its future. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is such a great article. So they talk about all kinds of stuff and you can see the growth in the technology. They talk about their first well, first horizontal well in uh, 1980 was was a 500 foot lateral <laughs> and that was like seen as super breaking a super lateral tech barrier and you know we're out now out to 10 or 15,000 feet I mean all that's because of technology um, and the the cool thing about XTO is is Exxon realized the um, money to be made and, and the prosperity in the shale plays here in the US and instead of doing what all of the other super majors did Exxon did what it's really good at and they found somebody that was really good at this type of uh, hydrocarbon extraction already which was XTO and they just picked them up and there's a rumor Jake, and I don't know if it's true, but I heard that there's one Exxon guy whose job it was to go to XTO and prevent all the rest of Exxon 
from coming over because they knew at that very beginning that the, the way that Exxon made money traditionally in the big, expensive offshore plays it was the exact opposite of what needed to happen in the shell plays, and they had enough sense to, to make sure that XTO was able to keep to itself and keep doing what it was really good at. Um, but this is a great article talking about you know the, all the differences of, of operating the shell and how the technologies have changed and allowed them to do things faster, better, and cheaper, which just benefits everybody. Yeah, so I want to kind of set the stage with that article. Great read. Uh, the next one is oil and gas innovation goes well beyond fracking. So this is something that we've talked a lot about, but it kind of breaks down some of the new technological advances um, that are really going to change the industry or the digital oil field, as we like to call it. Um, so oil and gas companies are le- leveraging uh, some of the same trends that are spurring on information economy to extract hydrocarbons uh, more profitably. Okay, so there's three main trends that they talk about in this article. Smarter management of complex systems, more sophisticated data analytics, and automation. So diving into the first one, the first trend has allowed companies to become uh, more efficient while drilling for oil and gas in you know, more and more complex geological environments. There's also simpler standardized designs, making drilling and production platforms easier to replicate, making them less expensive, and less likely to suffer cost delays and overruns in construction. The second one, so the more sophisticated data analytics, this is my world, I love this part, they begin to use complex algorithms to analyze massive amounts of data, making it easier for them to find oil and gas and manage the production. So the industry has also begun to use data analytics for quote-unquote predictive maintenance, which many of you are probably familiar with, uh, reducing unplanned downtime by analyzing uh, historical data to predict equipment failures uh, before they even happen, which is something that's used in a lot of other industries. One example I like to use a lot is the aerospace industry. So GE, not GE oil and gas, but you know, Big Daddy GE, they have predictive maintenance on the jet engines for planes. So they're able to predict when something is actually going to fail you know, about, I think it's up to like two months before it actually happens, which is something really, really good and something I would love to have on all the planes that I fly on. I don't know about <laughs> yeah, you. of course. <laughs> um, so they have a really cool stat on here uh, underneath this one. It says in April 2017, which is pretty recent, for example, BP announced that using these me- methods, it had identified another 200 million barrels of oil in an existing field in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, think how cool it is. So there's 200 million barrels that were stranded because nobody could crunch the data to actually see if that oil was there. So the oil didn't move, right? It was just there, but nobody could see it. And by using this these techniques, BP was able to find 200 million barrels it had that it didn't know it had. That's cool. So according to BP, data crunching that used to take a year now takes just a few weeks. And one could argue that it could be done even faster than that. And cloud processing makes it possible to generate millions of scenarios for developing an oil field. When firms can evaluate more options, uh, production from the fields can rise by 5% with a 30% cut in the investment required to drill the holes and and begin producing oil. The industry has also begun using the the data analytics for predictive maintenance, which is reducing unplanned downtime like we just talked about, um, by analyzing historical data to predict equipment failures before they actually happen. That's super awesome. Yeah, it's it's super awesome. There's a couple of things here. So they talk a little bit about cloud computing. I actually had lunch today, and we were talking. uh, This guy runs an IT company or technology company, I should really say. We're talking about that. And so just the fact that you're moving to the cloud, a lot of people don't understand what that is. In in a nutshell, the old way was to have the servers on your premise, right? So actual physical boxes. Now those boxes are virtualized, and they're sitting in somebody else's premise, and they're scattered all over the world. 
kind of cool thing about cloud is things like disaster recovery. In the old days, you had a separate physical site. So somebody like Shell or BP or Chevron, even some smaller companies had a separate physical site that was geographically removed. They had to maintain so that if something happened to their main computing systems, their, their main data centers, they could fail over to disaster recovery and still run their business. Well, when you move things to the cloud, if it's done right, your business systems aren't running on one virtualized server. They're running on a bunch of virtualized servers scattered all over the world. So it's inherently built-in disaster recovery. And we had that conversation today, and it's like, wow, I never even thought about that, but you're right. So even things like disaster recovery, which is a cost, is going to disappear because these new technologies are so much more robust that you don't need a mirrored site somewhere. So it just it's little things like that that add to the reductions in cost and the speed of being able to get stuff done. And, and all this is stuff just really cool. And Jake and I talk way more about this than we probably should on this show. <laughs> But you ought to see us when we're not on the show. We're still talking this stuff, you know, because it's just so cool. And it's making such a huge difference in our industry. It's making things safer. It's making things cheaper. It's creating new jobs. There's a a piece in here that uh, Jake didn't talk about. But according to a McKinsey study, within 10 years, oil and gas companies could employ more data science than, uh, than geologists. How cool is that? Just a few years ago, there wasn't a single data science in this, scientist in this industry. I just think that's awesome. That's something we predicted, and I guess McKinsey just listened to the podcast and put it in a report. Oh, you know they listen. There's too many <laughs> things that McKinsey does. McKinsey and Bain. Even out there from Bain, I see what y'all are doing. Um, but and, and we're okay. We're okay with you know li- you listen to us and then you use it for your own uses. All right. So this next article is still on the topic of technology. Um, they're using one company as an example, some new startup. Um, but it's kind of it's painting a picture of the current landscape of innovation in the oil field and kind of how new startups, small guys are able to come in and really, really innovate and create some really cool stuff. When you still have these guys who were big, like Baker Hughes, GE, Halliburton, Schlumberger, Weatherford, not really able to, they'll make, I guess I put it this way, they'll make incremental 10% better improvements in technology, but not something that's necessarily 10x better, like a small startup could. Um, so that's what this article is about. So it starts off saying the wave of next generation upstarts is hitting America's oil patch, offering high-tech solutions aimed at an industry in flux following the worst crude market crash in a generation. So in summary, it goes to talk about how the five biggest oil field servicers uh, have cut almost $1 billion from the research budget. And then it goes into talking about a company called Ambient. I think I've met their CEO a while back. I don't know if you know him. So what's funny about that, Jake, I actually interviewed Nav, who's the CEO. He's in Calgary. Really? Uh, CEO of Ambit. Yeah, it, I have a video interview on my blog, on Modal Point blog. You have to go search, go go to my blog and search for Nav. His last name is D-H-U-N-A-Y. And I did not know Jake was going to put this article up here. This is a small world sometimes, isn't it? That's crazy. So Is that crazy? So I guess a little bit about Ambient. Um, I thought this was really cool. Uh, they're using iPhone-sized computers, digital signals, and complex algorithms to control the flow of well, uh, oil from older wells, boosting output, and avoiding downtime. So really, really cool. Uh, and the old giants are starting to take notice. So this month, Halliburton bought Summit ESP, which is a company armed with 44 patents for technology to improve production. Uh, Helmer Payne acquired motive drilling technology with 14 patents, another dozen pending, and software in hand that can robotically steer drill bits located more than a mile underground. So it's like they're they're going out and trying to actually acquire intellectual property rather than you know, design it well, themselves. 
Well, it's quicker. Yeah, right? it you is quicker. Let somebody else yeah. take the risk. They have the patents, and then if you're somebody big like Halliburton, you know, or Exxon or whoever that has a lot of capital, you just wait for them to take the risk, and you go pick them up, and then you use it for your own business, and yeah. you have a force multiplier. When you have someone like Halliburton pick up Summit, Summit's going to have more R&D money you ever would have had access to, not to mention the real-world application of all of Halliburton's customers, which are all the big oil and gas companies. So this is this is really cool stuff to see this the the consumption and use of technology accelerate. And, and it's nothing that you and I haven't talked about on the show before, but it's just really cool to see it in real life. Yeah. And so I guess the uh, the final summary of that is uh, their CEO, Alex Robart, uh, was quoted saying, it's not the big guys who drive new technologies. Big guys are great at incremental innovation and technology, but not so good at totally new technology. That's what I was trying to say earlier, but I kind of butchered it. So... <laughs> But yeah, really great stuff. Really cool article. Um, I think it was really interesting. Up next, on to some other stuff. So ExxonMobil shares dropped 2%, 2% as profits double, but still fall short of Wall Street's expectations. Yeah, so it, it fell short of Wall Street's expectations. That's why their stock was down. But they doubled their income from last year to this year. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> you know, They made, what was it? They posted $62.9 billion in revenue. Yeah, up 9%. $62.9 billion in revenue? Jesus. Exxon, give Jake and I like a billion of that. <laughs> so they earned $3.4 billion or $0.78 cents a share in the second quarter compared with $1.7 billion or $0.41 cents a share in the, the period last year. So I think it just goes to show that public companies' share prices are just BS. Because you always have to meet market expectations, regardless of whether you actually double your profits or not. Yeah, yeah, but there's also there, there's more to it in that. So Exxon is not worried about what happens next week or even next month. Exxon always has a longer term approach to everything. They're worried about what happens ten years from now. So they're they're they've cut capex spending in some areas. They've increased capex spending in other areas. Parts of their business are doing really well. Their international petrochemical business is doing really well. Um, it's just the fact they missed the Wall Street expectation caused their stock to drop a little bit. Honestly, Exxon probably doesn't really care, right? Um, it, it's more worried about what it can do to set itself up now in this low crude price environment to be very successful a decade from now. And, and they're good at it. So, um, th- you know, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a big fan of theirs, although doing business with them is a bit of a pain. Um, but I, I, to this day, I still believe they're the best oil and gas engineering project management company on the planet. So on a and I'm a stockholder, just uh, be totally transparency, <laughs> total transparent. Uh, so on a similar note, Chevron posted 1.5 billion dollars in second quarter earnings and higher cash flow. So they reported second quarter earnings of 1.5 billion compared to a loss of 1.5 billion in the second quarter of 2016. Yeah, the kind of cool thing is their um, their productions up second quarter, um, up a whole 233,000 barrels of oil equivalent. That That's pretty cool that they're able to increase their production. If you think about that, that means that you're selling more oil at a lower price, which means you're doing okay. Yeah. And uh, Jake, another thing about Chevron is, you know, I talked about Exxon's uh, international petrochemical operations booming. Chevron actually took a little bit of loss on their on their international downstream operations. But the reason they took a little bit of loss is that there was a, a decline uh based upon the actual sales of their products. Now, they had higher margins on refined products, which kind of offset some of that. So you can see the difference in the downstream business between Chevron and Exxon. You know, it's kind of hard to say this early on, which one's going to pull ahead. But the fact that Chevron's actually selling more and they have some higher margins on refined fuel, which is basically fuels, is almost the exact opposite approach of what Exxon's doing with their downstream business. So it's going to be interesting to see how this stuff plays out. But, um, you know, 
the their U.S. downstream operations earned three, 634 million, up from 537 million a year before. So they're still year over year increasing their downstream gross sales and their margins, which is a good long term strategy. So the next article is U.S. Shale slashes capex as low oil prices bite. So let me give a little summary and then you can dive into it, Mark. Seven months into OPEC production cut deal, oil prices are not higher than they were at the end of last year as the stubborn global inventory overhang and rising U.S. output have been offsetting price gains. Yeah, so, so basically what's happening is that um, production has not weakened as much in the U.S. as everybody thought it was. And so what's happening is some of these shell producers are going to have to cut their CapEx budgets because the margins are less on the crude. Now, Jake and I talked earlier, and we've talked a whole bunch of show about how companies are using technology to lower the cost of production so that they still can maintain healthy margins. And I think this is just a temporary little blip on the radar. Um, I, I think that... Uh, U.S. Shell, as they modernize some of the equipment that they're using out there and as they're able to um, go into production in more lucrative areas, I think they're going to be able to bring this back. Um, but you're also seeing all of the big independents and some of the majors lower their CapEx expenditure on land. You know, ConocoPhillips did it. Uh, Sanchez Energy did it. Whitney Petroleum did it. So, um, you know, it's it started the trend. And like I said, I think this is a blip on the radar. People are worried that we're going to have another crash. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask that. It's like, no, this just let the market adjust itself and and we're going to be fine. Up next, Europe's biggest oil refinery shut down after a fire. So Shell's, I'm guessing it's Pernis, a refinery in Rotterdam, the biggest in Europe, has been partially shut down after a short circuit caused a major fire on Sunday. Shell says there's been no casualties. Uh, the, currently, the company is currently assessing damage to establish whether the refinery will be brought back online. Yeah, it's um, you know, this I hate to say this, this happens in refineries because they're refining crude oil, <laughs> and what they're refining and what they're cracking is extremely flammable. The the biggest story here is that nobody got hurt, right? Believe it or not, the refineries are designed in such a way to minimize any type of injuries. The way they're laid out physically, their fire suppression systems, their the way they're alarmed, the way their employees are trained. So you never want to see this sort of stuff happen. You don't want to see you know anything damage to the environment. You, you hate to see you know people get hurt or injured. In this case, nobody got hurt. So that's the biggest part of the story. It happens, and so they'll go back in. They'll do a root cause analysis. They'll figure out why it happened. And I promise you, what set this off won't happen again. But Odds are somewhere down the road, somewhere in history, another refinery will have an incident. It's just it's the nature of their business. And and you'd be surprised how much the risk has been minim- um, mitigated, especially towards injuries. It's actually really cool that stuff like this happens and nobody gets hurt. Because 30 years ago, there would have been some casualties here, or at least some injuries. Yeah, good thing nobody got hurt. That's I mean, that's the most important yeah. thing. Uh, up next, uh, GOP senators express support for new OCS management program. So 36 Republican U.S. senators said they strongly support development of a new U.S. Outer Continental Shelf Resource Management Program for the 2019 to 2024 period. Quoted saying, we encourage you to carefully review those areas that were not included in the 2017-2022 five-year plan to ensure that opportunities are not missed they said in a letter uh, to the U.S. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. Yeah, this is all about our current administration wanting to ensure energy dominance by the U.S. So they went back, and this is if OCS is Outer Continental Shelf, so basically Gulf of Mexico. This is going back in and looking at what decisions were made in the past and see if it made sense as far as being able for our, our um, you know, oil and gas companies to both lease uh, areas and, and to go into development and go in production. Um, that offshore leasing is a huge revenue driver for the U.S. government. A lot of people don't know that. The largest, the, the biggest organization 
organization that benefits the most financially from offshore drilling in the U.S. is the U.S. government. It's not Exxon and Chevron. Trust me. So um, the kind of cool thing is API, American Petroleum Institute, said this is a cool thing. Anytime you get the blessing of the API, that means it's good for our industry. I fully suspect this will go completely far. It's good for us. Uh, it's good for our industry. It's good for the American people. So, you know, good stuff here. All right. So let's move on to our winner for the week. Who we got? Uh, Bernie Lavelle. He's with AMEC. He's a construction manager. Congratulations, Bernie. You've won this awesome Red Wing offshore bag. If you would like to be like Bernie and win your own awesome Red Wing offshore bag, it's very simple. You go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put your information in there. We draw one lucky winner a week. See official site for rules and details. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier. The uh, drilling is kind of it's stagnated a little bit. And so this week for the U.S. rig count, we're down 1% uh, to 1,019 rigs. It's to be expected. Ouch. You know? Yeah. It's it's a market shift, and I hate to see it go backwards. I don't mind it being still. I hate to see it go backwards. So let's hope next week it doesn't go backwards. Uh, events on deck. You got one on here, Jake. What's this about? So there's an event called Intercom in Denver, August 17th. So if you guys are out in Denver, it's confirmed that 16 liters in technical innovation for oil and gas exploration and production uh, will pre will be presenting. So if you work for an EMP or you're looking for new technology for your company, check out the link in the show notes. It sounds like a really cool event, to be honest. Hey, Jake, this is another weird thing. Mm. In, in, Intercom was a past client of mine, or a past prospect of mine. I went out to Dallas and met with their senior leadership a couple of years ago. Isn't that how weird? Do you, how do you and know I everyone? promise you, Jake and I didn't discuss this ahead of time. Just pure coincidence. <laughs> Either that or Jake's been stalking me. One or the other. Could, uh, that's a possibility, <laughs> definitely. All right, what's, yeah. the, what's the other one we have on here? So this is Drilling Info. They're doing a uh, Global Insights. They do a couple of these every year. They're going to have their experts talk about the key trends that are impacting operators and investors globally. And then they're going to deep dive into what they see going on in future E&P activities, especially on land. So um, it's free. They, they provide a great lunch. If you have an interest in what's going on, uh, go check this out. Uh, just click on the link that Jake's provided and sign up for this. Um, this is this is really good, useful, valuable information from an inside group. You know, usually Drilling Info charges this sort of stuff, and, this, and they give a little bit of a way here for free. We're going to be there. So if you have an interest, go check it out. If you'd like to learn about these events and more, go check out my monthly email newsletter. Once a month, we take all the oil and gas events that are worth a darn. We put it in your inbox. We don't charge you anything for it. And a couple times a year, we give away free stuff you can't get anywhere else, like passes to events and stuff like that. So uh, go sign up for it. It's, uh, I've been told it's very viable. Um, and uh, you know, it's something we do for ourselves, and we end up giving it away for everybody else because it was useful. Speaking of being useful, we have a first Friday Q&A coming up. Next week? We would, yep, next week. We would love, love, love for you to ask some questions. If you ask a question, we use it. We'll give a big shout-out on the air. You can ask us anything, although some of the things that people ask, we don't use on the air. So it's really simple. Go to oilandgasthisweek.com, click Ask a Question, uh, submit your question, and uh, like I said, big shout-out coming your way. And Jake, you don't know this yet, but I am pretty confident that Oil & Gas Global Network is getting ready to get some nice lapel pins made. So, ah. and, and we could use those as a, as a giveaway. So what we're going to do, and you may be able to jump into it early. If you leave us a review, we're going to take all the reviews each month and we're going to put them in a bucket. We're going to pull one or two and we're going to give away these collectible, one of a kind. You can't buy them anywhere. OGG and lapel pins. So it's, 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 nobody else will have these things, but the people that actually give us reviews. So um, take five minutes, leave us a review. You might actually win something. Uh, we have a review by JC Hickman. And I actually had, this is real weird. I had lunch with JC last week. Uh, you want to read his review? 
Yeah, let's do it. So he writes, this podcast has been extremely helpful to help me while also being entertaining and informative. I'm a recent college graduate and new to the oil and gas industry. So I am still in the stage of submersing myself into as much useful information as possible to shorten my learning curve. I must say this podcast has been a major catalyst in this endeavor. I listen to this podcast during my commute and it makes for a great way to start the day. Mark and Jake are great hosts and I really appreciate the content that they've been putting out and look forward to meeting them at the next API YP event. Hey, I will buy you lunch if you leave a review that helpful. That's what, that's what, <laughs> and that's not why he left the review. He's a great guy. We have some future work with JC that I can't talk about now, but it's going to be really cool. Speaking of really cool, we have two other really cool podcasts. We have Oil and Gas HS&E and Oil and Gas Industry Leaders. Oil and Gas Industry Leaders, Jake, is hosted by our own Paige Wilson, and she's given away $200 steak dinners at Capitol Grill. Oof. Yeah. Maybe you and I should go sign up for that. We need to. Yeah, but if you're listening to this show, go listen to her show and go sign up. I mean, $200 steak dinner from Capitol Grill, you know, that that's just cool. I'm a jealous, honestly, but it's cool. <laughs> um, if you like if you like this podcast, you like other podcasts, go check out Oil & Gas Global Network. We talk about a little bit. That's the parent of all the podcasts. Every uh, podcast has its own website, by the way. So Oil & Gas This Week has its own podcast, oilandgasthisweek.com, Oil & Gas HSE, Oil & Gas Industry Leaders. You can go check them out. If you go check them out, give everybody your email address. We don't spam, but each one of the podcasts now and in the future when we do live events, the first place we're going to announce it is the people that give us their email address. The second place we're going to announce it is on LinkedIn Group. So if you haven't joined a LinkedIn Group, oilandgasglobalnetwork.com, OGGN.com. I'm sorry, not .com, OGGN, LinkedIn Group, or Oil & Gas Global Network, LinkedIn Group. Go sign up. Uh, we have zero spam. We moderate every person and, and every comment out there. Um, so it's a great place to kind of stay in touch with all of the podcast. And then once again, if you like the show, besides leaving a review, can you share it, you know, with your peers, your coworkers, your family, whether you like them or not, just share the show and it helps Jake and I get in front of more people. Is that about it, Jake? That's it, man. All right. So folks do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com. <laughs>